This is the 50th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me are my dear co-hosts Robin Fensen and Christopher Wikström. All of us are very happy to have you here, dear listener. Hello, hi, how do you do? Good evening, friends, and uh, whoever else might be listening. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week almost on the Top Decked app. So, been out for a, a couple of weeks, out of the loop of recording. I've been moving, as we've discussed previously on this podcast, and I still have internet problems. Uh, Robin has been away opening the summer house for the season, doing other sort of uh, public holiday shenanigans with the family, and Christopher has been busy finishing up the last pieces of his bachelor's degree, soon to be fully finished. But we are now here and we are fucking ready for our 50th episode. And also, it is now just about a year since our first episode air. How cool is all of this, you guys? Very cool. It's insanely sick. Super happy about the 50th. Oh man, that's such a big word. The 50th episode. Like we we did it, boys. Yeah. And in this episode, we will, as always, report back from recent paper legacy play of which there will indeed be some as we haven't recorded for a while and after that we will talk a bit about the upcoming tier one con again because it's a massive event that really deserves our attention as paper legacy aficionados lastly the basic land connoisseur panel will gather as of course we need to do that perfect favorite segment for our 50th and we will discuss our all-time basic land favorites so first things first guys have you been playing any nice paper legacy in the past weeks how about you robin do you have any highlights for us or do you not i have actually been uh, missing for two weeks in a row playing so i i think i was uh, first in the leaderboard after playing like uh, five weeks something like that now i'm down to ninth place or eighth place or something like that i've been crushed by people who are playing more frequent than i did but uh, like family things and uh, holiday things got in the way and I haven't been able to play, unfortunately. Yeah, you were really tearing up with a lot of free ones and that was super, super cool to see uh, you bringing the eight mulch and put the hurt in the dirt and uh, some eight cast goodness. Anything with eight. Anything with eight. <laughs> eight wallas up next. I'll lend it to you. I see and I hear you. This is uh, also the side of being the true legacy dad. These things uh, happen, especially sort of, you know, late spring, early summer, very busy period if you are a parent. Lots of holidays and things to get through, etc. Christopher, though, you are neither a parent nor uh, actually sort of working. You're just sort of a young student, a padawan almost. Did that free up any of the time in the shift of May, June for you to get some paper done? Yeah, I got I got some paper magic in and I did not be, I was not on the wrong side of, you know, order 66 for all of the people who, who are into that stuff. I've played a lot of paper legacy and I went from having a really cold result in the league to deciding to play some dace decks. Uh, these last three weeks I've been playing with days which i usually don't do i usually want to play you know some birds of paradise and uh, some 
<laughs> you know, creature enchantments. But for two weeks in a row, I sleeved up the Tempo Doomsday list at our LGS and went 3-1 and 2-2. And uh, then for last week, last Thursday, like this Thursday when we're recording now on Sunday, I had my, my bachelor's thesis presentation and an exam on the Friday. So I decided to play a deck that requires... <laughs> some thinking so i actually sleeved up blue red delver to the shock of a lot of people at the lgs and uh, this is this is a big shocker this is like an upset where is the green enchantments yeah we're <laughs> we're green enchantments and uh, it's it's such a ridiculous deck guys like <laughs> i don't i've i've played a lot of delver in the day like in my day but mostly you know canadian threshold and stuff like that and this this deck just closes games so extremely fast and um, last week i went 301 and i'm just gonna mention two highlights that was super super nice from my experience and the first one was in my round three against tes and uh, my opponent had made 14 goblins and i was with a a delver in play a drc that was not a free free and a 4-4 merc tide because my my deck did not cooperate but i did get a wishclaw talisman for my opponent so i decided to use the wishclaw (laughs) yeah like thank you uh, you're out of resources i don't mind giving this back to you my opponent was at 15 life and i was at a healthy I think uh, 15, no, not 15, like maybe 19, 18. I had a lot of life. (laughs) Not many fetches had been (laughs) needed to be fetched in that game. So I just, I got my, like an expressive iteration and uh, decided to cast it. I found a fetch, wasteland and a delver. So I decided to play the fetch, play a delver and attack for four. My opponent's down to 11. And like I said, I have an unflipped Delver, now two unflipped Delvers, and a Merktide, which is a 4-4, and a DRC that's definitely not going to get delirious because my graveyard is whack. So my opponent hits me. I go down to 4, which is a scary number because now if my opponent has, like, LED, they can just do their thing, like, play LED... <laughs> wish claw and ten like mini tendrils me for two like it's gonna be enough but my opponent passes and the fetch that i got from the express expressive iteration was the glue that held the whole match together so i just cracked it got a mystic sanctuary put expressive iteration on top trigger merc tide and also ensured both of my delvers to trigger which was exactly 11 damage so that was uh, pretty sick. Like Mystic Sanctuary is so crazy in that deck. Yeah, and that's going to lead us to the second highlight, which was against Esper Vile in game one. So my opponent was on Yori on Esper Vile and was also shocked that I was on Delver because, you know, I usually badmouth uh, Merktide and Delver, but it is fun to play. So in our game one, he keeps a kind of shaky mana hand, like double dual land. And I get to waste him a bit. And then we get into a situation where I make land drops and don't present many threats. And my opponent is just not hitting the right stuff. Like the mana is 
quite shaky in that deck. So we end up in a situation where I get to daze picking up Mystic Sanctuary, hard countering one of his spells, and playing Mystic Sanctuary to put Expressive Iteration back on the top three turns in a row. And uh, I just buried my opponent in card advantage from there on. Like three, three rows, like three turns in a row, I just dazed the two drop, dazed the three drop, putting expressive iteration on the top every turn. So that was extremely nice. Like, I don't know, this deck is just crazy. And Merktide is such a messed up card. But yeah, I've been playing a lot of days and it's, uh, it's fun. The power level that you referred to here, I was sitting and watched a vintage YouTube video recorded by Brian Koval. And like all of these cards are now in vintage. Like he kept running into these expressive iteration, Merktide Regent, Mystic Sanctuary. He himself played uh, quite a few of the Ledger Shredders. Sort of it gives you, it gave me some perspective on how powerful are these cards how ridiculous is this like basically if one opponent he faced he was like so my opponent now is playing basically a modern deck with some power nine in it and i'm watching the stream i'm like yeah pretty much it It even had ragavan you know it's um i don't know it's nasty it's it's pretty much what um what blue red delver was before ragavan was banned it was Expressive Iteration, Ragavan, uh, you know, Merktide, DRC, and then Bolt. Like, sure, you had Days Force and Wasteland, which made it a lot heavier than the than the modern version. But if you look at other formats, like in modern, I'm not like a modern expert, but Merktide is such a real deck there, it seems like. Just blue-red Merktide. And uh, yeah, that's what we had, but the super hard version in Legacy. So I'm I'm glad that the monkey's gone, but Merktide is a problem, not gonna lie. Like playing it in Doomsday and uh, in uh, Blue Red Delver these last weeks has just once again showed me that it's uh, it's not an angler. It's like a lot, lot better. Just so so many nasty things. Yeah, it's it's not like Blue Red Delver and Doomsday are very similar decks. Like, sure, they both play Days, but I mean... <laughs> yeah, Days force and a lot of cantrips, and then like, oh, my opponent forced my Doomsday. Like, I'm just going to go for a turn free 8-8 instead. Like, it's uh, disgusting. Speaking of the power levels of Paper Legacy, we are now less than a month away from Tier 1Con, the mighty event in Malmö, the weekend of 1st to 3rd of July. We will of course be going there to play in the Sunday 5k Legacy. We have our train tickets, we have our entry in order, and now we just need everyone else to go there as well. I mean, just this weekend, uh, actually the top 8 is playing out while we're recording this, the Four Seasons tournament in Bologna 
are sporting a massive 393 players registered for entry in the Paper Legacy main event. So, I mean, Paper Legacy is indeed alive and kicking in Europe. You can certainly say that. And showing up to Tier 1 Con would be the perfect way to sort of ride that wave and make sure it stays this way and make sure that we keep on having this vibrant scene in what others deem to be a dead format. Uh, listener you should really consider going if you haven't booked your tickets already and if you have decided to go again i need to remind magic players of this because we are exceedingly bad at this if you've decided to go to this event buy your ticket it really helps the organizers if you just buy that ticket for the event in advance of going uh, so you guys are you as hyped as i am for this event i mean it's super sick uh, to have this kind of event i mean we, we've been all longing for for bigger legacy tournaments and watching the four seasons tournament being a li- close to 400 players is real really cool so i'm super psyched about playing this and i'm i'm happy that i could uh, make room in the schedule to play it was not really sure because this is just in the beginning of of our vacation so it was a little bit of uh, uh, discussion with uh, the family about how to settle it but it worked out and now that we're all booked feels really good uh, to be able to play and uh, i'm super excited to see what the meta's gonna be and how many players there's gonna be and like the venue and all of that's gonna be really cool yeah i'm i'm definitely super excited about this and uh, you know when whenever we go to a large-scale tournament uh, even if it's just something like GothCon, which was, you know, like 65 players, it it has a different feel to it. And like, I'm, I'm not really a, that kind of person that cares about, you know, stakes that much, like a bigger tournament, bigger stakes. I'm just happy to see people and see people care a lot about Legacy because uh, you see so much innovation, you see so much excitement about the format and people meet friends that they haven't seen in a long time and they meet people like uh, legacy profiles that they might have followed on YouTube or Twitch and it's always funny that people just get together and get to share like uh, a physical event of the things they really care about uh, for a whole weekend. I mean sure we'll play on the on the Sunday but I'm, I'm super stoked about this being like a full weekend event. So if you're into other formats or want to play side events, like consider going earlier if you can. Uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. And like you mentioned with the four, the four Seasons tournament, I've been mostly following it on Twitter, like updates and such. And uh, it's, it's just nice seeing all of the people being together and, uh, you know, eating meals together, uh, having drinks and doing not only legacy stuff like it's a it's a community after all and you know it it might be for some people a dead format but the community is so alive so i'm i'm really excited about going what about you victor yeah i mean equal parts playing in a nice big tournament even though it's not usually where i perform my best i'm gonna have a lot of fun playing there i'm not gonna drop this tournament even if i'm way outside of contention i'm gonna play it out the entire day 
Uh, but really also the the sitting down for a drink and some food with these people of this community. It's going to be so rewarding. I'm so glad and so grateful that these people organized this event that they because I mean I used to be organized events, you know, both for magic and, and outside and it's a lot of work to get these things together. Like it's months and months and months of endless logistics, planning, organizing, getting all the random things together keep track of funds and it's it's just it's a, it's a big hassle to do this like it's not even sort of say that the people behind this tier one can make a profit from organizing this event the profit <laughs> sort of measured against the amount of work you need to put in is just sort of it, it's not a good ratio let's just say which means that these are people doing this primarily out of their love for the the formats that they want to put out uh, at this massive tournament and uh, that makes me grateful because I know how much effort goes into this. And that's also why I think it's important that we show up for this and uh, show our support to the people who are organizing this by actually taking part in what they're doing. So again, everyone, just go to this event. We'll see you there. It's going to be fantastic. celebratory 50th episode if we did not do basic land connoisseur panel of course we're gonna do that but since it's such a special event we couldn't sort of pick just one random legacy deck we have to instead of course do our own personal number one favorite basics of all time uh, i want it also to be put to the record that uh, <laughs> robin first in our in our private uh, co-host discord uh, sent a copy of wastes as the example of the basic land he was gonna <laughs> he was gonna put and i think that was uh, a nice trolling and uh, we're gonna get back to that at some point but uh, <laughs> the ultimate troll of land what? not, to, not <laughs> today is not that day today we uh, we do what robin what's your number one basic land of all time and why well you know i i like to play with the white bordered Basics to match the white border duels when I play a deck that plays fetch land. So like in an ordinary brainstorm deck, I'm going to play my revised basics mostly. But I have this one planes that I like very much because the like the the ordinary revised planes is is a little bit bleak in my opinion. So I found this actually in not in my binder but in in like a big pile of cards that I was looking through. Uh, I found this fifth edition planes that I like quite so um, let's see it is Pat Morrissey number 430 and it's it, it looks a little bit like it would be a snow basic <laughs> because it, it's really like snowy and it has this like very purple feel to it and like the the colors doesn't really do it justice in the picture because it it looks really nice in real life, so to say, <laughs> this uh, purpley sky is, is really cool, and uh, it ma matches uh, very good with the, like the revised uh, islands that I usually play, which is the like the 
well, I like I like all of the islands, but I usually play the one with uh, that is like blue on blue on blue, like the like the light blue one. Ah, oh, the super blue. The super blue island. So so this, those go very well together, and this one is of course uh, going very well together with the tundra as well because it's a little bit of the the snowy feeling. So um, actually, this is one of my favorite basics that I just happened to find <laughs> in a pile that I was like this is really cool white bordered basic that I'm going to play and uh, right now in my like brewing I'm I'm really keen on playing tundra decks that that's what I'm I'm up up to next Thursday I think uh, so I'm going to play this particular basic quite soon it's a very swedish basic I would say like this looks like early afternoon in a country where in the winter the sun will set at 3.30 p.m. This is like the 2.30, 2.45 purple sky over a snowy field that is a bit rough and tumble in in, um, in the topography. It's, it sort of looks a bit like it could be a mountain in the background, but I just think it's the hills just rolling uh, upwards, basically. And th- then it, it really sort of, for me, it nails that Swedish winter early afternoon glow of purple that we get on the rare days when the sun also comes out at least for a bit at this time of year so uh very stockholm <laughs> yeah I, I would say actually yeah actually <laughs> this is a stockholm legacy report <laughs> i got stockholm planes for you <laughs> yeah i think i think this plane is absolutely gorgeous i really like it and uh, for me i i totally agree it feels like a december 2 p.m. in uh, in Sweden or other Scandinavian countries where, you know, you don't see the sun much, but the landscapes and everything is just snow-covered and super beautiful. And in particular, this one is... Uh, I, I get kind of nostalgic for where I grew up in Uppsala. It's called Årsta, and we have this hill in the middle of Årsta, and this looks exactly like half of that which is uh, very beautiful. So I, I really like this. And the colors is just so calming. Uh, it's uh, it's just a, a nice walk home from school, as it was for me in that case. Uh, it's really nice. Cool. What about you, Christopher? What have you picked? This is not a shock for anyone. I usually don't play white in, in Magic at all. But my absolute favorite basic land is a plains and it's from Ursus Saga and it's a Rob Alexander plains number 332 and you know the whole plains idea the whole idea of white in this set is a lot of drifting planescapes they're floating in the air and they're magical a lot of times planes aren't really that magical unless they're set in a super fantasy world but these ones in a plane that is so filled with magic and artificers and mages and stuff like that the plane cycle is by far the most captivating out of all of them because the planes are above the clouds and under the clouds they're in the middle Uh, if you look at sarah sanctum you'll see that the the islands of like just ground is floating in the air which is extremely cool but the reason why i particularly love these is when i got my first set of magic cards i remember this 
uh, I was sitting in the back seat and my dad was super late at work and he was taking me to this store and he just said I'll be back in a minute and then I sat and waited and he came back with an Ursa Saga booster pack and a starter pack and I remember opening it and it was this exact planes in in my booster I think and I just remember staring at it for hours and hours my dad was wondering if I if I liked the game in the car and I was like I don't understand the game I've never I've never played this but look how cool this looks and we were just sitting in the back seat looking at these cards for like 20 minutes in a parking lot outside a store at maybe 8 or 9 p.m. it was very close to my bedtime but he was just making time for me so whenever I see this I get reminded to make time for things so for me this planes is just the absolute number one it reminds me to make time for things I really like and it's just super gorgeous wow very cool explanation and uh really nice story to have uh, attached to to basic land I, I i i can't see how you don't play more <laughs> like mono white <laughs> with with that kind of story <laughs> attached to to a land like this but i mean I, i've seen this planes being played a little bit among like dt players and i like apart from all that you were talking about i also liked like the color scheme on this very much because it's this really green in in the in the plains itself but then the whole sky and as you said the clouds which like the plains is among the clouds they are orange and a little bit of uh, yellowy maybe almost a little bit pink yeah kind of like a depiction of you know heaven <laughs> Uh, yeah. a bit like yeah, how yeah. people interpret that and yeah why i don't play white is because white is whack i just needed to <laughs> put it out there <laughs> no car draw in the universe is gonna make me play white more than i have to <laughs> no, I, I really like this as well like it is very unplainsy plain as you've touched upon like there are no there's no corn <laughs> there's no wheat <laughs> There's no field yeah. here. It, it's basically a, <laughs> What's up a broken that? up meadow f- flying magically in the sky with this yellow background and has some stones randomly placed on this meadow. Are these sort of blocks that have come with sort of post ice edge moving blocks or are these sort of placed there like some kind of Stonehenge situation? You don't really know, but I think it looks absolutely beautiful. If I was to play an old border planes in... Um, in the deck and it was not to be from the beta i think uh, this is a really good candidate for me thank you for introducing me to this thank you and uh, this might be a shocker but victor what did you bring for us <laughs> which well, planes actually <laughs> which planes <laughs> this is the basic <laughs> planes land connoisseur this is no planes uh, this is uh, beta swamp c or beta swamp number 296 uh, I think. I mean, the the numbers are a bit weird, but this is the basically the darkest of the Dan Fraser uh, swamps in Alpha and Beta, and it's such a really simple swamp. It just has a hint of a mist, a couple of blackened branches, and some sort of weeds and and other dead post growth, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's 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 minimalist <laughs> in, in a sense and and it feels super dead but also 
extremely magical at the same time. Like this is truly just off the site where you cast the dark ritual, where that ritual actually takes place. This is just beyond that place, is where the swamp is situated, where you draw the mana to cast that super unholy spell. And it's been speaking to me for my entire magic interest. I mean, I started playing magic in late Ice Age, and I did play Necropotence at my first Nationals. And um, at the time, you could get Beta Swamps for about uh, 50 cents. <laughs> if even that much. Yeah, because people are like, ooh, I need to play with these new lands, <laughs> these new basics from Ice Age. They're much more you know better looking so um yeah it's 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 it has it's sort of this is i would say 30 percent of the reason why i would keep playing reanimator even though it's not good in the meta is that i get to play with these swamps that's how much i like them that's cool yeah like this is a this is a legendary swamp for me like this is one of the greats and just for the reasons you said it's murky it feels dead but there's still so much energy that comes out of death. You know, it's uh, just one part of the cycle of uh, rebirth. And for me, this this screams Exhume more than any other basic land in the universe. This is the Exhume Swamp. This is the death to life again, but maybe not in the way nature intended. But I really, I really like it. It's like Dan Fraser is mastermind great great painter to me it's also like a, a swamp that really wants to to cast the dark ritual on turn one it's it's like that un, unfairness of black encapsulated <laughs> <no> good <laughs> yeah yeah no it's um the next time i get to play magic which should be quite soon i hope this is definitely gonna be at least shuffled up for some portion of that and that is all we have for this week guys we hope you have enjoyed our 50th episode as much as we have enjoyed recording it and as we will enjoy recording the next 50 episodes. If you like the show, please tell a friend you think should listen and that will get us uh, more traction. And if you are going to Tier 1 Con, come join our Discord server and let make, let's make sure there is a meetup of sorts. Uh, you know, beers, meetups in the playing hall, wherever. You can find the link in the episode description to this episode. And in addition to the Discord, you can hit us up on Twitter at SDHLM Legacy, Stockholm Legacy. We are also personally present on some social media. Robin, where can people find you? On the Discord server. Yeah, and you can find me on the Discord server or at Tier 1 Con. Uh, I'll probably be wearing one of our sweet, sweet Stockholm Legacy Report t-shirts. So if you see someone who's super underdressed, that's me. But you can also hit me up on Twitter at MonolithMTG. And you can find me on Twitter at Disco Drogo. And that is the end of the 50th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson C. and I'm Christopher Wikström. Warm thanks to you for listening and supporting the work we do with your nice shout-outs. It's really fun to be part of this community. The great Frönes has written our music. You can find their work on Spotify. Catch you all in the next episode. <laughs>